Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam again. We are talking about faith. We finished talking about grace day for yesterday, and now we are into faith. And yesterday I talked about Abraham's faith and how uh, we are blessed with the blessings of Abraham by faith. And then I begin to talk about the imperative of faith, that faith is an imperative. And that's what we finished with yesterday. Today, I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, continuing on this subject. Uh, and there's several points I want to start with. First, as I said, faith is, in, in, is an imperative. Hebrews 11:6 it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, that tells us about the necessity of faith, how it is important for us to realize that faith is an imperative and that we must seek faith and acquire faith. Now, now, but here are three things I want to say. Firstly, just like grace is relational, faith is also relational because when we talked about grace, we talked about the love of God, the abundance of his love for us. In the same way, faith is also relational. Um, God's dealings with us when, when it comes to faith are exactly the same when it comes to his dealings with us, when it comes to, to, to grace, because in grace, grace is relational. It has to do with the relationship that we have with the Father and how much the Father loves us. And faith is the same. Faith is relational. And I'll come to you, uh, I'll, I'll explain to you in a minute or so what I mean. The same, because God's dealings, and that's the next point, God's dealings with us are as a father deals with his children. If you read the New Testament and you read about the dealings of God with the believer, the dealings of God with the believer are as a father deals with his children. And that's what I mean by faith is relational. And the third thing I want to say is expounding on the same thing, that God's dealings with us are relational and not transactional. And um, by, by that, I mean that, you know, many people think that God works with us by formulas, you know, we, we, we take some of the principles of faith and we turn them into formulas. And um, when, you know, when we, when we turn faith into formulas, we actually, instead of a father and child relationship between God and us, we, we, it becomes a transactional relationship. In, like, for example, there are certain formulas and you work the formula, you do this and God is forced to do that. For example, uh, you give $10 and God has promised a hundred fold, so you will get a thousand dollars back. If you give a thousand dollars, he'll give you a hundred thousand back because God is forced to, uh, he has promised in his word and he will keep his word and he cannot go against his word. So it becomes almost like you are working a formula to twist God's arm to make him do certain things. Well, listen, God doesn't have to do anything in that sense because he will not be forced by us. We, God's relationship with man are not based on man working formulas or manipulating him for any reason uh, or, or using a, a method of manipulation. That's not faith. That's manipulation. Faith is relational. Faith is when a man or a woman comes to God like a child comes to his father. And when a child comes to his father, look, I'm a father of three children. I have a granddaughter. And my, I mean, my children, whenever they ask me for anything, if I have it, it's theirs. 
Why? Because they are my kids and I love them. That's the only reason. They don't have to force me, manipulate me and twist my arm. It's just the way it is. And that's, uh, that's what our understanding of the concept of faith should be. It is relational rather than transactional where God has promised certain things. If you do certain things and then you do it and then God has to do these things because you're working this formula. That is not how faith works. Now, the first scripture I want to share with you is Galatians 4, 6. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And because we are sons, you see, when God deals with us, he deals with us as sons. And it says, because, just because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. That means that the, that, that the spirit of Jesus, because we are sons, God has sent the spirit of Jesus into our, into our hearts. That means that everything that Jesus was to the father when he walked on the, on the earth, we are the same to the father. In other words, the father expects us to have the same relationship with him as the Lord Jesus had when he was on this earth. When Jesus was on this earth, he walked in this wonderful intimacy with the father. Now, if you remember at the pool of Bethesda, when he, when he, he, he you know, Jesus went in there and raised up the paralyzed man. And then they began to ask him. And this is what he said. He says, you know, he says the son can do nothing except that which, which the father shows him because the father loves the son and shows him all things. And that is the intimacy we should have with God, that we always looking up to him and then he shows us what he is doing. And then we in obedience act and we do. And so because the father loves us and he shows us all things that he's doing. So, you know, that's the relationship, the intimacy that uh, the father expects us to walk in. And so what he's saying is that because, just because we are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. That means that the spirit of Jesus, everything that Jesus is, is in us now. So we are walking on this earth and God expects us to walk with him like we, like Jesus walked with him. And that spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus that is in us, it cries out, Abba, Abba. Now I know, you know, Americans, you say, Abba, father, Abba means daddy. Listen, when I grew up, okay, as a kid, I call my God, I, I, I call my father, my biological father, Abba, Abba. In Arabic, it's Abba, Abban, Abba. And, and mother is Yamma. Mom, Yamma and Abba. Abba is how we call daddy. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. It wasn't a re religious word. Just like, uh, like American kids would call their father dad. That's Abba, dad. Uh, you don't call your father, oh father. Now, some of you might, but <laughs> most people don't. They call their father dad or, or daddy. Uh, my kids, we speak Swedish. They call me Papa. Papa, my, you know, they call me Papa and that's Swedish for daddy. So because we are sons and the spirit of Jesus is in us, we, we cry out Abba, Abba. Abba is the, is the intimate word uh, with which you address your, your, 
your dad. It means daddy. It means dad. So he has given us the spirit of his son crying Abba. That means we come to the father with this closeness, with this intimacy, with the same closeness and intimacy with which we uh, which we uh, come to our natural fathers. There's a natural closeness and a natural intimacy which doesn't have to be uh, orchestrated in any way. So we are sons. That's why I'm saying faith is, is, is relational. So then it says, 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and God says this, and he will, I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the Lord Almighty is saying to the believers that, listen, I will be your father, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. You see, relational, faith is relational. So it's not just God and his people, but I will be your father, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. Now, I love this next one. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knows him not. Now here's the thing. The world doesn't know the Father but we know him. And that's why the world doesn't understand us either because this, this distant uh, being who they say, you know, some people say, I believe there's a higher power or other people say, well, I don't know, you know, there's something out there. Uh, you can call him what you like, but we don't call him what we like. We don't talk about a higher power, but he's our father. He's our dad and we are sons of God. That's what it says. He said, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So, uh, the very fact that I can uh, talk to father like the father to God like he's my dad and that that I can have that relationship with us is because the great love he has bestowed upon us. In fact, we used to sing back in the old day, there was a chorus. It went like, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us. You know, we used to sing that. What? Behold, what manner of love. How wonderful a love the Father has bestowed upon us that you and I, we can be called the sons of God. Hallelujah. Not just followers, not just servants, not just apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, or believers, but sons of God. And this is the love the Father has bestowed on us. And then Hebrews 12, 7 and 8, there's a good one. He says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is whom he whom the father chasteneth? No, to chasten means to correct. God corrects us. And sometimes, you know, it can be a bit of a spanking, okay? And um, uh, like my older son, Emmanuel, he jokes with us. He's 36 now. He says, Dad, I turned out to be the best because I was spanked the most. You know, he, he wears it as a badge of honor. But he says, we, he says, if we endure chastening, if we, if we endure correction, God deals with us as sons. And, and, and you know, you, you don't spank or correct other people's children. You only correct your own children. That's what he's talking about. So when God corrects us, whatever way he uses to correct us, he is dealing with us as his sons. 
And I would rather that he corrected me than not corrected me. I would rather that because if I have a neighboring kid come to my house to play with my kids, I will correct my kids. But the neighbor's kid, I will not correct. I will never, never correct my, uh, you know, correct my neighbor's kid because I don't have the right to, but I can correct my own kids. So it says that because the father deals with us as sons, he corrects us. For what son is he who his father doesn't correct? But if you are without chastisement of correction, whereof are all our partakers, then you are bastards and not sons because we are not illegitimate children, but we are sons. So even when God corrects us, we should wear that as a badge of honor. It's a privilege because we are sons, God corrects us. So faith brings the power and the, and the ability of God into our lives into our situation that makes impossible things possible. Now, one thing that faith does before this is that faith, that's why faith gives us a stability because we know that the father loves us and we are in a relationship with us and he will never leave me nor forsake me. I will never be abandoned. I will always be loved. I will always be taken care of. Whenever I have a need, he will always be there. He will not, he will never leave me nor forsake me. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says, Jesus is like a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. I know this one thing that no matter what happens, he will never, never leave me nor forsake me. And I want you to understand, you will never be rejected. You will never be left alone. You will never be forsaken. No matter what happens in life, you will never be forsaken. He will never leave you and he will always watch over you and take care of you because you are a child of God. And the reason you're a child of God is not because of anything you have done, but because of the great love he has chosen to bestow upon you. Behold, this what manner of love that he has bestowed upon us, that people like you and me, we shall be called the children of God. That is why we will never be forsaken. Hallelujah. So that is what faith is. Faith is that it gives us that it's that anchor for our soul. And we, you know, an anchor stabilizes you. It stabilizes us. So there's a great, wonderful stability in faith because it is based on our relationship with our father. Now, faith brings the power. The next thing is that faith brings the power and the ability of God to bear into our lives, into our situation and to make impossible things possible. Because here in this world, we live in this fallen world and we come into situations where we know that God has to come in. There is no other way out of the situation unless God comes in. And that is what faith does. This faith, this relational faith that we have with God, it brings the power and the ability of God into our lives. Uh, uh, you know, when heaven comes on, our, on this earth, and then the power and the ability of God comes into our situation and he turns impossible things around and makes impossible things possible. I can tell you many, many, many stories like this, like when I was a, you know, when I was a, a refugee and I was escaping from my country and I, I came to the border and, uh, and I had, um, I had all this American dollars with me. Well, it wasn't much at about 300, uh, I think, I think about 300 some dollars with me and it was illegal to take dollars out of the country 
and uh, I had been told that they will ask you at customs, do you have any dollars? And they'll search you. And if they find dollars, they will arrest you. You will not be allowed to leave the country. So I prayed. I said, Lord, please protect me. I have these dollars. This is all I have. Because I was escaping as a refugee and I had nothing. This Somebody had given me $500. I had spent 120 on a ticket and I think I spent 50 more. So I had about 300 and some dollars. That's all I had. And then, so I prayed, I said, Lord, I need a miracle. So when I came to the border, uh, the, 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 the customs official, he looked at me and I, I mean, I'd never been there before. The guy didn't know me. He said, are you Mr. Alam? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I just received a phone call that I'm not, I shouldn't ask you any questions. Just go through. And I was shocked. I was flabbergasted. How did he know my name? and who had called him to tell him I was crossing the border and that he shouldn't ask me any questions. Normally these guys are very tough. So that, that was a qualified miracle for me. And then, then when I wanted to cross the border, he said, well, there's a 10, uh, I think five or 10 mile long no man's land. And uh, I was going to Afghanistan, you know, this was just before the Soviet Union. And he said, nobody's allowed to enter there uh, unless, you know, so I had my visa. And then uh, he's, I said, well, I can walk across. He said, no, 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 you can't walk across. You have to be on some kind of transportation. And I said, what transportation? He said, well, there's a bus that goes only once a day and that is already gone. So here I was stranded and I said, Lord, please make a way for me. And suddenly a Mercedes Benz drove up with an Iranian flag. It was the Consul General of Iran and he showed his passport. They saluted him and uh, and I, uh, and I just, the Lord said to me, go and ask him. So I asked him, I said, excuse me, sir, can I ride with you to Afghanistan? And you know, I was a young guy, I was dressed like, you know, I was, it was this Jesus people types uh, who had led me to the Lord. So I had long hair, believe it or not. I had this hair growing long. I was carrying a backpack, jeans and a flannel shirt and carrying a guitar. I looked like a hippie. So this, this concert general and his assistant, they looked at me and they spoke to each other in Farsi and I understand some Farsi and they were basically saying he could be carrying drugs and all that back and forth. Then the consul general said, no, he looks okay, let's take him. So I jumped into the car. They said, come in, hop in, so went in the car. And uh, they said, where are you going to? I said, I'm going to Kandahar. They said, oh, we are going there too, we'll take you there. So when we came to the Afghan side of the border check post, uh, he looked at their diplomatic passport, saluted them, looked at my passport. He said, your visa is not valid. I can't let you in. There's no way you have to go back. And I said, please. They said, no, no, there's nothing. You just have to go back. You can't enter Afghanistan. Then the consul general spoke up. He said, this man is my friend. I mean, he just met me five minutes back and suspected that I was dealing with drugs. He said, this man is my friend. You have to let him through. I will fix his documents. So the police officer gave us my passports back and drove me through the country. You know, little things like that. Not just miracles of healing, but just miracles. God makes the way, makes impossible things possible because we are his sons, we are his children and he's watching out for us and he loves us. And that's why uh, God, you know, he loves it. One thing that pleases the heart of God, because remember, faith always pleases God. One thing that pleases God is when we, when we reach out to him in faith and we believe him and expect him. Because when we believe him and trust him and expect something from him, then he knows that we are actually 
recognizing and acknowledging him and who he is to us. Because you see, if we are in despair and we don't expect anything, what we are doing, we are actually diminishing who he is in our eyes. But, but he will not be diminished. He's a king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's your father and my father. And he's waiting us, Jeremiah, waiting for us to call on him. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things things that the wind that thou knowest not so faith pleases God when the believer reaches out to God and calls out to him we are at the same time acknowledging him who he is and what he's able to do and so we asking him Lord come and change this situation so anyway uh, that is the importance of faith now Matthew 19 26 let's talk about the power of faith but uh, this is what Jesus said Matthew 19 26 he says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then in Mark 9, 23, it says, Jesus said to them, if thou can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Just imagine. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Luke 137, it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Can you imagine? God doesn't have a lid on top of him. Nothing is impossible for him. For with God, nothing is impossible. There's not one thing that he cannot do. And uh, Mark 10, 27, it says, and Jesus looking upon them said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. Well, with God, all things are possible. And that's one of, the, uh, one of the things that is striking. With men, it is impossible because we have our limitations. There's only so much we can do, but not with God. That's what he said. With men, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. So we have to... Remember this. Sometimes, you know, people say, oh, how can you believe in miracles? I say, it's not a question of miracles. It's a question of God. We are talking about somebody who is omnipotent. He's, he's all powerful for him. He, you know, he, he, he created this heavens and this, and, and the earth with his word of power. We are talking about somebody who doesn't have any limitations. So it's not about my ability to believe or my ability to imagine anything or something or, 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 or my imagine to, you know, people think it's mind over matter. It's not, it's not, has nothing to do with my abilities to think what is impossible, but it has to do with God. Of course, if there is a God, miracles are possible. Now, if there is no God, of course, then everything would be like us, limited. But there is a God. And there is a Jesus who died and rose again from the dead, seated at the light, the right hand of the Father. So because he lives, because he is, miracles are possible. So now, it is very important that as we preach and emphasize the importance of faith, that we do not begin to worship the concept or the quality of this thing called faith, but that our eyes and our faith are set upon Jesus. We must remember this because sometimes, you know, we can talk about faith and uh, we end up believing in our faith or we, we you know, we end up uh, believing in our ability to have faith. But the, that's not what the Bible teaches. Let's look at Hebrews 12 too. It says, looking unto Jesus, 
the author and the finisher of our faith. So Jesus is the author, that means he's the initiator and he's the finisher, that means that he's the one who initiated this whole process of faith. When I first heard about Jesus, I believed in him. That was the beginning and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the perfecter, he will end it on the last day. So. He's the beginning, he's the end, he's the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and the Omega are the A and the Z, uh, or Americans would say Z, I still haven't learned to say that. That's the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Jesus is the beginning, he's the end, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, and he's everything in between. So he's the beginner of my faith, he's the finisher of my faith, and he's my walk of faith. He is my faith every single day. I hold his hand and walk with him. So, and then the Bible says that Jesus is the beginner and the finisher of the faith and we have our eyes on him. Looking unto Jesus, praise the Lord. Looking, at, that's what, that's the essence of faith. We look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. So, you know what? Let me just share this with you. I was a Muslim, and Muslims have great faith. I mean, great faith. I mean, I remember when, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I believed in jihad and all that, and I believed. I mean, I was not afraid to die. I believed that if I was killed in a jihad, I, I would go to heaven. That's what I was taught to believe. But was that true? No, because intensity of faith does not create reality. It is not the greatness of faith that creatures, that creates the power, or put it this way, the power of faith is not in the greatness of your faith or the, uh, or the intensity of faith. The power of your faith, let me rephrase that. The power of faith is not in the intensity of faith. The power of faith is the one in whom faith is placed. So you can have all this faith and you can believe that, you know, I will die and then I will die in a jihad and I will go straight to heaven. Now, you can believe all that you want, but it doesn't necessarily mean that will ha happen. But what Jesus said, when you are with him, he says, if your faith is a mustard seed, a mustard seed is the smallest seed found in the Middle East. It's so small, from this distance, you can barely see it. He said, if your faith is a mustard seed, you can say to yonder mountain to be moved and it'll be moved. So it's not in the intensity of faith. The power of faith is not in the intensity of faith. The power of faith is the one in whom you put your faith. So as I said, I will repeat this, that it is important that we do not end up worshiping or attributing the power to the whole concept or the quality of faith, but the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Faith is not about how much I believe in my ability to have faith. Remember this, faith is not about your ability or my ability to have faith, you know, that I believe in my ability to have faith. That's not faith. Faith is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Faith is looking at Jesus and faith is the assurance that comes by as we walk in that relationship with him and, uh, and through that we receive strength and we receive life from God and that's what faith is. But anyway, let us uh, finish this and tomorrow I'm going to teach you how to acquire faith and that faith 
comes to us only through one channel. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot shake it in. You cannot rub it in. You cannot do it by falling or laughing or jumping or laying out of hands. Faith comes only through the word and the level of faith in your life will always correspond to the level of the word in your life. And we will talk about that more tomorrow. I love talking about faith and I believe that you're going to get a lot in your heart and, uh, and may the Lord bless you. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. I ask you to bless them, touch them, cause them to be strong. Lord, you said that they who are strong and those who trust in you, they shall be mighty and they shall do exploits. Lord, use them mightily for your glory. Touch them, bless them. If there be any sickness or disease in their homes, I curse these infirmities and diseases. I speak life and health to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. See you again tomorrow.